Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley. Retirement Unlimited is an informative weekly radio program dedicated to offering factual information and sound advice for those wanting to know more about retirement planning. Proper advice depends on complete analysis of all the facts and circumstances. Information given on this program is in the nature of general financial comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. This is to protect your assets. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated. Tricord Advisors Inc. is a registered investment advisor. Now, here's Randy Barkley. Welcome to Retirement Unlimited. This is the radio program that is dedicated to helping you make smart decisions about your money. I'm your host, Randy Barkley, and I'm the president of Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm, and we're located in Riverside, I'm a certified financial planner, and there's also three other individuals in my office that are also certified, as well as an attorney. We are fiduciaries, and if you want to know more about what a fiduciary is, just go to our website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com, or just simply call our office, which is 951-684-7011. Remember, the first interview is always free, so if there's anything you hear on the program you'd like to know more about or you'd like to have a meeting with myself or somebody else in our office, just call, and we'll set a time to meet with you. Now, every week what I do is I I divide my program into three parts, three segments. The first one is called Retirement Update. The second one is Tactical Asset Management, and the third one is News You Can Use. Now, in the first segment of the program today, what I want to talk about is something that is near and dear to my heart, and hopefully you listening to me, it's near and dear to your heart also. And that is the values, the things that you put forth to help you make decisions and the appropriate decisions about your money. You know, this COVID-19 crisis has taken away so many things, you know, lives, livelihoods, daily life. Most people, you know, they're, they're going under phenomenal pressure. And there's, but it's also, it's magnified income inequality, and stirred up feelings of fear and guilt, but it's also feelings of gratitude and generosity. These have all forced everybody to reassess really what what it is that um, the purpose of money in their life. And it shouldn't take a pandemic for us to focus on what matters most in our life. When it comes to money, everybody should have a stated or a purpose on what it is that they see as important in it to them, but also more importantly, what they see as how there is going to be translated to their family. So these productive conversations that you have with your family, your children in in particular, are very, very important. The younger you start, the better. Don't wait until your children are adults and expect them that they have everything that you've you've if you feel inside is going to be translated and, those, and your children are just going to pick up where you left off, so to speak. Those things don't automatically happen. Values uh, determine how we manage our time and money, which are limited resources. So even for those that have an abundance of both, you have to be careful how you use them and use them wisely. You need to understand what your purpose is. So if wealth to you is sudden, in other words, you woke up one day, maybe you put your nose to the grindstone, you've worked really hard, and what you've done has created value. And you look at and say, all of a sudden, what am I going to do with this? You have to understand what the purpose is. Why did you work? Why did you do what you did? And how do you translate that to your children? There's an emotional side of addressing these, these things. 
And most people, you know, I don't know of anybody who just wants at the end of their life to be able to hand money over to their children or grandchildren and say, you know, have fun, do whatever you want with it. There is my comment to clients is nobody's going to respect your money more than you. So therefore, what you have to do is you have to establish respect for money and the purpose of money. Money is a tool and it can either be something to benefit, to teach, or it can also be something to hurt and harm. And what I want to do is come alongside clients and help them understand what the benefit is and to also allow them to have a teaching moment to their children and grandchildren. So we need to understand those things that are extremely relevant. So I come down to basically asking three questions. Those three questions would be, what do you keep from our heritage, in other words, from your heritage, that still serves us well? What are you going to retain? The second question is, what do we let go and no longer serves us anymore? And the third, third question is, what do we learn and take in new circumstances They'll help us and service, you know, that we'll be able to serve other people better in the future. So parents and grandparents should first ask these questions. They should ask them and they should answer them to themselves. And then they should sit down and talk with their children about it. And again, teaching is not a one point in time. It is an ongoing process. And you want to allow your children to learn from you. Oftentimes, because the economy, particularly here in Southern California, parents, in most cases, both parents are working very hard just to keep a roof over them. But for those people that over their heads, but just to keep the food on the table and just to have a basic part of their life. But for those people that have built something, that there is all of a sudden greater wealth than what they had realized, and they woke up one day, they have to establish some kind of value system, or else the value is not going to be realized when they pass on. So there's a lot of things that you can do, but I think that the most important thing you can do is to have a teaching moment. There are some things that, that can help you. For example, you can actually get value cards. There's a website that says Think to Perform, which has a list of cards that you can use as kind of a game, but to help you establish and create a question, you know, where it's a conversation about values and how you establish those values. What's really important to you as a parent or the person that you are training, in other words, the, the mentor and how you pass on is to create the character. You wanna know what the character and the competencies of the person of the people that are going to take over after you. The other thing that's really important to that is you need to understand you know, the development. And one thing that was said to me a long time ago and I've held on to it is that you need to allow your children to fail small. In other words, don't wait until the end of your life and give them the entire amount and the entire responsibility because it may be too much. But if you allow them in a teaching moment to have a certain amount of responsibility and you watch them, if they fail, it becomes a teaching moment. But if they succeed, it also becomes a point of learning and encouragement going forward. There's a tremendous amount of parallels between business values and how family use these values. And oftentimes the two don't come together. You have the father, the mother, they go, they go to work and they work and they establish their economic value, the uh, bank account, the holdings, whatever. And they don't come back and really talk about the work and the effort and the sacrifice and the risk that they go through in order to accomplish their goals. And but bringing back, they should have this constant conversation and integrate that conversation as early as you possibly can with your children to help them learn. 
There's a lot of things that you need to do in order to put these principles into practice. And you can create a mini economy, in other words, a small economy using income and expenses with your children. Also, you can do it with your grandchildren. Some people use a jar method, some people use an envelope method. But it's a way to test and to have a teaching moment with your children to allow them to grow. If you would like to have this conversation with me, in other words, how do we establish a family meeting, a dynamic, so that what you've worked hard for can be create a legacy going forward, I'd like to have that conversation with you. Give me a call at my office, 951-684-7011, and we can at least start the conversation. Stay tuned for my next section. I'm going to talk about tactical asset management. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that I refer to as tactical asset management. You know, we've talked about what shape will this recovery look like. Uh, we've always put it in the form of letters. So V, U, L, W, there's all kinds of comparisons to some numerical or some letter form. But um, the first stage of the recovery looks like a V recovery. I mean, it clearly is snapped back pretty dramatically. So as the, as we bottomed out in April, and as people have been allowed to kind of get back into whatever this normality is for us going forward, we're starting to see recovery. In fact, surprising to, to me, um, the recovery, when we look at it from a retail spending, consumers right now are spending about 90% of pre-pandemic level. Now, that's up dramatically, obviously, from the lows in March and April, but we've seen a tremendous snapback. Now, whether the recovery can continue at this pace, this remains to be really the uncertainty as far as the long you know, the long-term perspective of the economy. There's a drag, um, and, I, and I've talked about this before, one of my biggest concerns is the high unemployment that will stick with us long after, you know, this, this probably this summer and into the fall. And unless we have a vaccine, and even if we do have a vaccine, everything that I've read and understand, the vaccine will not be available probably until early next year at the earliest as far as inoculation. I think the antiviral treatment is getting better. I think they have a better way of treating people that do get sick. And even though the infection rate is starting to climb because people are getting back, they're socializing, um, hopefully the death rate will continue to fall in relationship to the infection. Now, with this said, we need to take a good hard look at the job carnage. I mean, most people 
when they were laid off, they thought their layoff, their job was going to be temporary. And they thought that because they were furloughed, and in addition to that, the stimulus that they got, that they were going to go back to work relatively quickly. Now, the optimism, um, but then there's also wishful thinking. So the longer the pandemic persists, persists it's going to be harder for business to survive. And that's my biggest concern right now. And it's primarily for, well, it's for small businesses as well as large businesses. So we're looking at uh, retailers, for example. And even in our backyard, of course, we see the Galleria as well as the other shopping malls. We're seeing large tenants, people that would be, have been staples like Sears and Nordstrom's and such. They're moving out. you moving out completely or moving on to someplace else or closing it down. So it's leaving big gaps in what we thought were going to be permanent placement. Now, I don't believe that those are going to remain vacant for long. I do believe there's going to be some other um, tenant that will come in. Exactly how that's going to look, I don't know. But at the same point in time, we are seeing a phenomenal change in the hospitality sector. And that's where most of the unemployment is going to lag. It's going to take a long time for people to feel comfortable to gather in large groups under one roof, going through one door, and feel like they're safe again until we get a vaccine. The market, it, it's just not, it's, it's really underappreciating the depth of the labor market damage. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm glad to see that the market starts to recover, but a lot of this has to do with the, the governmental assistance, you know, the stimulus, you know, the unemployment checks that people are receiving, as well as the uh, additional stimulus they're getting from the federal government. So as we move forward, as we go through it, will the government continue to provide those stimulus checks going forward? I don't know. Um, I know there's a lot of conversation about it. It is very political, but it's also economic. The Federal Reserve, uh, they have said that they will provide as much liquidity, and liquidity just means that there's availability of money uh, to companies, primarily public companies, but also to borrowers. I mean, mortgage rates are still down around 3%. And from what everything we're reading and understanding, mortgage rates will remain very low. So for somebody who's going to buy a home, uh, real estate values, I've talked to realtors, my friends who are in the business, and they're saying real estate is really moving quickly, but it's because there's 40% less inventory on resales than what they had this time last year. So there's less homes to buy. And with interest rates as low as they are, a lot of people are jumping into the marketplace and they're finding that there's not a lot of inventory available. So even as we continue to grow, there's certain segments of the population, certain segments of the economy that are doing better than others. I think the retail sector is mostly moving to online or that, um, you know, again, people are buying what they want to buy and they are braving in some cases going into stores, but most of it, they're getting on their computer and buying it. You know, I'm talking to people that are just, you know, they need clothes, but what they're doing is they're going online buying it where they would normally go into a store and breeze through the, you know, the racks and such as that and select what they really desired and, and uh, get the piece that they want. So again, I think that uh, we're going to see a, a shift. But again, my concern is the underlying um, unemployment rate that's going to lag for a long time. Because we're thinking that the unemployment rate is still going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of around 10%, at least in the high single digits by the end of the year. And if you look in restricted ways, like, like weekly hours, they have dropped by 0.6% in April from a year earlier. Now, if we just look at that, I mean, people are working less, 
But what that does is that translates into 750,000 jobs. In other words, the people that are working. Also, the other fact is what is the stimulus doing to prevent people from going back to work? If people are getting paid to stay home, but I, as I mentioned before in previous weeks, 50% of the people that are receiving unemployment are receiving more money, get this folks, more money than if they were working. This is starting to create potentially a moral hazard in the sense that people will not feel comfortable, but more importantly, they're just not willing to go back to work. They're gonna look at their former employer and say, I'm getting over $20 an hour and you're paying me like $15 an hour. Why should I come back to work? I think this is one of the reasons why we're seeing a high savings rate is because it's newfound capital and hopefully people are smart they're saving a lot of the stimulus money they're getting because there will be a transition. Now, how that's going to affect the market and the overall economy, you know, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see a lot of volatility going forward, but clearly there is recovery. And as we get more information on the virus, and it seems like it's changing daily regarding the um, development of antiviral drugs and vaccines and more information about the virus itself, People are becoming much more aware, but there was a big breakout in Beijing and they shut down the city of Beijing now because there's a virus breakout. So again, this is not under control yet. It still has a lot of, of um, effect and the cause is going to be that people are going to pull back at times when you don't expect them. We are not going to have a smooth reopening and it's going to take years before we get back to full employment again. Also, what's entering into the picture right now, of course, is the political risk. The political risk is very real, folks, and it's coming at us at full bore. So as we continue to move through the summer, as we move closer to the fall during the election, we're going to see more choppiness because people are going to try and anticipate who's going to be the president. You know, is Donald Trump going to be reelected or is Joe Biden going to be the person that's going to occupy the White House? Each one of those individuals have different, have different agendas and have a different view of how the economy should be dealt with. Again, these are all the things that we're concerned about. So if you'd like to know more about how we make choices, how we help people manage through times like this, give me a call. My phone number is 951-684-7011. I would be more than happy to have an initial conversation. We can probably do it over a video. We use Microsoft Teams. It's a very, very easy way to have conversation with people and have a conversation about your circumstances. And again, the first interview is always free. Stay tuned for my next section. I'm going to talk about news you can use. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that I refer to as news you can use. You know, I may get into a lot of trouble here, but I'm going to talk about two articles that I've picked out. The first one is written by Jason Riley. He's a contributing journalist to the Wall Street Journal. 
And the top of the article is the full truth about race and policing. The other one is the, the uh, title of the article is Violence Threatens Black Lives. And this is written by Nestride Yumga. And both of these individuals are black. So therefore, uh, they're talking about their understanding of what's going on in America right now from their perspective, because I don't think I can, because I I, I'm not black. I don't have a black experience. At the same point in time, what they're, what they're really analyzing here, and if you'd like to have a copy of these articles, I'd be more than happy to send them out to you. But, you know, um, Jason Riley starts out, he says, Chicago has long been one of the nation's most dangerous big cities, and it seems determined to keep that distinction. You know, the Chicago Sun-Times reports that 18 people were killed on one Sunday, May 31st, making it the single most violent day in Chicago in six decades. Over the full weekend, 25 people were killed in the city, with another 85 wounded by gunfire. None of these deaths or shootings involve police. So will there be no massive protests over them? No tearful commentary on cable news and social media? No white politician raps wrapped in kente cloth taking a knee for photographers? Sadly, the only thing remarkable about the episode is that it occurred in the middle of a national discussion about policing. These articles go on to talk about how complex this whole issue is. I don't think any of us, including myself, would, you know, would look at what that police officer did in Minneapolis to that, to that man and choked him to death and was kind of just almost nonchalant about it. You know, of course, the video, you hope it tells the whole story. But at the same point in time, I was aghast at what I saw. I thought that for no reason other than humanity, you do not do that to another individual. Now, I've talked to police officers, and, and let me tell you, folks, if you've had conversation with police officers when they are, they are arresting somebody who's been on PCP or is or drunk or is on cocaine, the, uh, the violence that can occur and the caution that they have to take in order to, to arrest somebody who is clearly violating the law and is doing something that is, they just need to be restrained. But at the same point in time, what I'm, I'm getting across is that when you try to take away the police and, and what is the call for defund the police, there maybe needs to be more training. But again, I, it's my opinion that does not matter here. It does not matter at all. Other than a voice in society, what I want to do is to have these two articles and if you'd like to have a copy of them, I'd be more than happy to send them out to. This other article, she writes, she said, it tears my soul as an African-American resident of Washington and 30 young black men and women of District of Columbia lost their lives to violent crime in the first three months of 2020. The police didn't kill them, but that doesn't mean their lives mattered less. Her comments are well taken. It's understood. And so the dilemma is, is how do you create an environment that is just, that is color blind, that is just and is not oppressive? And I think all of us want to have some solution. And I think the, uh, the common sense that politicians are rare to come out and say anything about, I think we as citizens have to rise up and we have to, have to state that we don't like this any more than anybody else does but we want a solution that's better than taking away the police off of the street. If you'd like to have a copy of this article, these two articles, I'd be more than happy to send them out to you. 
just go to my website at retirementunlimited.com or just give me a call at my office at 951-684-7011 and we'd be more than happy to send them out to you. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley. For more information about today's show or other questions regarding your retirement planning, call Randy at 951-684-7011. That's 951-684-7011. Remember, retirement planning is a process, not a product. So call Randy at 951-684-7011 or visit his website at retirementunlimited.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Retirement Unlimited. Proper advice depends on complete analysis of all the facts and circumstances, the information given on this program is in the nature of general financial comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. This is to protect your assets. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated. Tricord Advisors Inc. is a registered investment advisor.